Welcome to Sympathy for the Devil, a podcast about addiction with James Marshall and Adam Manovic. What is addiction? In this podcast, we explore addiction in its many and varied forms, from sugar to love, from alcohol to gambling, from work to sex. You can get addicted to heroin and alcohol, but can you get addicted to your phone or computer game? In this podcast, we talk to people whose lives have been affected by addiction. This is a program that explores what is and what it means to be addicted. Warning, the content of this program contains material that some people might find disturbing. Thanks for hitting the play button. The Sympathy for the Devil podcast, uh, as we've just heard, circles around addiction. People who have it um, have had it and people who have been affected by it. Uh, we want to create a positive atmosphere and destigmatize addiction. We'll have guests join us on this podcast that will tell their stories of addiction. Ultimately, this is about personal stories, isn't it, James? Yeah, that's exactly right, Adam. With the unprecedented rise in the use of drugs like ice in our community and the growth in treatment industry, it's time to talk about this very kind of woolly term that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Sympathy for the devil is personal stories mainly and then a reflection on what their story is about, what their addiction may be about. I think what we'll try and do is unpack, question and hopefully uncover what addiction may be in the 21st century. Uh, James, I've been a gambling addict um, before and um, I believe I've um, beaten it. However, I still always have to be careful around any gambling, which as you know is everywhere these days. Um, some addicts can probably pinpoint when they get addicted. Uh, I definitely can, 100%. Uh, there are do, two very specific memories that I remember um, that kind of got me hooked into gambling. Um, like I was 10 years old. I remember it really well. Langtree Avenue, Mordura, TAB. Uh, it was a rainy day and um, my dad kind of like sauntered out of the TAB. I was waiting in the car. He was, he was always gambling, so gambling was a- around me a lot, and so I was definitely exposed to it as, um, from a young age. And um, he kind of sauntered out. He, he showed me the form. I remember he showed me the form. Um, and he said, oh, what? just pick a number or what name do you like there? And, and um, Sub-Zero was the horse that won that year in the, in the Melbourne Cup, and I loved uh, the name Sub-Zero because I used to play this um, arcade game called Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat, and there was a character called um, Sub-Zero, an ice ninja. And so I was like, I like, I like that name, Sub-Zero. And I also liked the fact he was a grey horse, so I was like, that's a bit different, I'm going to go for that one. So I picked Sub-Zero, and um, my dad said, look, you know, I'm going to give you, um, you know, 20 bucks, um, and I'll, I'll pay for it, and I'll just put, them, put it on for you, um, which I think in, in retrospect was probably to also help fuel his own <laughs> addiction as well, to kind of justify we can put another bet on. And I picked um, Sub-Zero, so he went in there, he put the bet on. Um, I turned the radio up and I listened to the race and Sub-Zero won. And I remember as a 10-year-old just feeling like this this rush, and I'll talk about this rush in a minute, but I just remember feeling this unbelievably um, you know, intense rush of exhilaration that I'd never felt before as a as a 10-year-old especially. And I was like, oh, wow, what's this? And then I got the money back, and I think um, it did get a bit tight, like the odds towards the end, because he was a wet 
it was a wet kind of uh, weather horse and um, people were putting on money on it at the end so the odds got a bit tighter but I still got a good $200 back which in 1992 for a 10 year old um, was amazing like it was absolutely like you know I'd, I was just like this is amazing I'm, I'm a millionaire like for a 10 year old and so um, and I spent the money over a course of like you know a month or whatever just on various things and I, I remember thinking wow that was amazing and then so that happened, and um, that was a really good feeling. But obviously, as a 10-year-old, you don't have any, um, you know, um, you can't actually make the decision yourself to go and gamble. So I couldn't go and gamble. So, um, you know, for years went by, years went by, and I didn't really do much gambling. And then uh, I turned 18, 19, and I started to do a bit of it. But when I really, really got hooked was I was 23 years, years old. Uh, I was... Um, living in Melbourne, uh, not far from, I guess, Crown Casino, like a relatively uh, quick commute. And um, me and my partner at the time were there and we were walking past and we just had watched a movie. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this. And, and at that stage, like putting even putting $10 into a poker machine to me was unheard of. I was like, why do I want to do that? So I'd kind of I'd forgotten about that early experience, but um, I must have had some, um, you know, some memory of it somewhere deep in my soul because I wanted to do it again. And so I put um, $5 on, at the Crane Casino, there's this thing called the big wheel, where basically the wheel, they spin the wheel around, it's like Wheel of Fortune almost, and then um, you have all these different numbers, and there's one-to-one, which is like, a, there's a lot of numbers on that board, but you only get paid one-to-one back, so it's like you put $10, you get $10 back. I decided for some weird reason that I'll put $5 um, each way on the, the two biggest odds, which were 47 to 1. Um, put that money on there, and nothing happened in the first spin. So I was like, oh, I was like, that's stupid. And then I was like, look, I have another $20 in my hand. I'm going to put it on again, and then we'll just go home. So I put $10 on each um, 47 to 1 um, place on the board, which is two places. Would you know it? 47 to 1 came, came up. I won about $600 off that one spin. Item, I just wanted to ask you there whether that feeling that you got from that spin was similar to the feeling you had when you were a 10-year-old boy and you thought, wow, I've got that feeling again. That's a really great feeling that I've got and I feel really good. Yeah, and like so straight away I, I got that feeling of exhilaration and like there's this unbelievable feeling. It's like, wow, I've got $600 now and I, I've got, you know, as a uni student, again, that's really good. That's really good um, kind of decent whack for a uni student to have $600 worth of worth of money that you can just kind of spend on whatever I want. And so um, that feeling came and I was like, oh my God. And like, you know, I hugged my partner and I was like, this is amazing. She's like, yeah, you're so lucky. Because I always had been lucky in various things, but I never really, um, you know, gambled much up until that point. So that feeling that I really want to talk about is, I think how I got addicted and so uh, it's like exhilaration and it's like this unbelievable rush and you feel bulletproof like you actually feel like bulletproof and like you just feel like nothing can touch you and like I know it sounds silly because it was only $600 which in the overall scheme of things isn't much but you just if you win in that in that 10 seconds in that five seconds that you've realized you've 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 won it's just an unbelievable rush of exhilaration and um you know studies have shown from you know people that have gambling um, addictions, but um, their brain chemistry is actually similar to that of a um, cocaine, cocaine addict that, that, that they, they've just had a hit, or um, or someone that you know is seeking out a hit. So, like when you're kind of approaching um, the gambling table and the and the um, uh, I guess the um, thinking of what can happen, you know, the possibilities of what can happen. And so that day in 2005, when I when that spin came up, like straight away, then I was addicted. Like you know that back when I was 10 years old. That rush was definitely there, but I didn't have the opportunity to follow up as a 10-year-old and do that gambling. So when you say at that moment I was addicted, 
What do you mean by that? Well, straight away, I was thinking, when can I do this again? Like, can I stay? And can I? And like, my partner at the time was like, no, let's go home. It's like 2 a.m. Like, you know, we just saw a movie. I want to go to bed. So we went home. But then the next day, I was thinking about going back there and saying, I could make so much money out of this. Like, you, like reason goes out the window. Like, when you're a gambling addict, reason goes out the window. And, um, you know, I have a, you know, a very close friend who's also kind of a gambler and we talk about our gambling stories and the and the, the gambling uh, philosophy or the gambler's mindset is you only really understand that if you've been a gambler um and you know we make jokes that like you know we're watching for example i gamble on afl but it's not really a problem i don't think but we make jokes that we'll be tipping and we'll tip one certain team to win in our t- in our work tipping competition but then if the odds are good we'll gamble the other team to win um and um it's just like a ridiculous kind of logic that you, you think one team's gonna win but then no but if odds are um represented uh, are kind of given to you that are good then you're going to go for the for the good odds because you're a gambler so that rush um i think for me was a lot of um, reason why I got addicted. So the next day I was thinking about it, uh, and then it, it became like a weekly thing, and then all of a sudden it became a like you know biweekly thing. And then at its worst, it was every night. It was like me and my other friend used to joke that we would go there together. I think a lot of it is also being there with friends. Like if you've got friends that will enable 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 you, you'll go there. But then you don't need that as well. Like when you get really into it. But I had a friend that was definitely an enabler back um, in Melbourne, and we would joke because we worked together. And after our shift, we would go to the um, Crown Casino and would say we're going for our second shift and then sometimes we'd, we'd like Verticommas work um, at, you know, at the Crown Casino and do our shift and we'd come away with like say $300 which is what would get paid for a shift so it'd be like we'd go up and down like you know it would be like you know $1,000 up $1,000 down whatever it was and then we'd come out with like enough money that like it's like we worked <laughs> which was really funny so we'd call it our shift. Were you always getting that rush that feeling you never got sick of it it just got more intense each day you want a lot of normal people in inverted commas would think i gamble and i get that rush but i don't want to go back to it i either win or lose and i walk away you chase that rush that feeling from a 10 year old boy 22 getting older gambling every night were you aware that that's what you were doing? You were chasing that feeling or you weren't aware of it at the time? Like, I was just like, this is what I do. Melbourne is a big um, sporting town and a big kind of... The, the casino is like the kind of the um, the middle of that. And so if, you know, I'm a Geelong supporter, Geelong Football Club supporter. After the footy, I uh, would go and watch footy. I'd go and for, everyone would go for a gamble. It's just like, it's kind of like the culture of the town. It's really... Um, and you, you, walk there on, you walk there on the floor on a Friday night or a Saturday night and you get walks of all different life of people it's people are there to have fun and like you said yeah some people are there and they can kind of call it a day and go home but there are a lot of like gambling addicts out there and um i guess uh, i didn't really realize i had a problem until probably about 2007 ish when i got really really bad and i moved to canberra in 2008 and i remember uh, gambling in canberra in 2008 and having a really early on and having a really bad loss like really bad loss and can you tell us about that loss? I just remember, I mean, everyone has their poison. And so one of my problems, I think, um, was I had many poisons. I like, I could just put, like, any type of game in front of me and I will get addicted to that game, like, regardless of money. And um, this particular day I was playing blackjack. And um, I remember I was on a really tight budget that week for whatever reason. I don't think I'd started my um, job in Canberra yet. And um, I just kind of went for, I think it was two grand at the time, which was... Um, 
really bad because I've been, I went home, I had no money, I had no way to get money, um, what am I going to do? Um, I think I ended up lending money from someone, but by this stage, people were kind of on to me about, hey, don't lend any money. Um, and that's the other thing, you feel shame. So you feel shame, you're like, you hit rock bottom. And um, that feeling that I'm talking about again, like you kind of get that feeling when you lose as well. It's, but it's like, the, it's like the same feeling, but it's like, a, it's like a negative connotation to it. Can you talk about that feeling um, a bit more? Because I just think, for me, that's the core of addiction is the feelings associated with the different activities we choose to abuse, we choose to obsess about and be compulsive about. That exhilaration, that cha- that thrill of the chase, that fact that you know you can be there and you can kind of come out a better man with more money, with more kind of income, and you know buy people things and stuff like that. That was what I was chasing, and being in the moment and actually winning. Because I think I'm a very competitive person deep down, and so like when I feel like I win, I've won money, I've I've, I've won. So I feel really good the fact that I've won and I've beat someone or beat something and like to beat the casino is like a big deal you know it's like I think the other thing for me that really got me in that in those early days was yes I'm competitive but I'm also very positive so like it's, it actually works against you if you're a gambler sometimes because I'm a positive person and I think in any kind of walk in any situation of life you can turn it around and so, you know, if you're in rock bottom, you can turn it around. And I'm always really positive like that. And so if I go into a casino and lose $300 in the first five minutes, which has happened many times, like many, many times, um, in the back of my head, there's a voice saying, I can turn this around. And so that positivity coupled with my competitiveness and chasing that feeling all kind of conspire together to create this monster where I just can't control. And even, even last weekend, like even last weekend, I was... Um, I was in. Uh, I was having a, a dinner at the club, and I've never really been a big pokies person. Like that's not one of my poisons. Um, but I, I think I put twenty dollars into it, and I lost. It. And straight away, I was like, I could put fifty in there and double my. I could kind of go really hard now, but now I can stop. And especially with, with, um, you know, with pokies. And I guess one of the most interesting things you said there was, I was addicted to the feeling of gambling, good or bad, win or lose. It was all a process of feeling changing, a chemistry happening within the brain, which was changing the way I feel. And I found that really interesting because I, I would have thought the addiction is about the winning, but you are saying it doesn't matter. It's the process. No, it doesn't matter. It's the process. And, and something like roulette, for example, when every five minutes there's a – or every – you know, if you're playing rapid roulette, every two minutes there's a spin. It's like you start from – scratch again and that feeling builds and that, fear, that feeling of apprehension and, and kind of expectation and, and like you know it builds to the, to the point where the ball hits the table and then you're looking and you're like oh I've got my numbers and what's going to happen and then your number comes up and it's awesome or you're putting on say $50 on red and then black comes up and it's like oh that sinking feeling is actually a part of the process of gambling and so the sinking feeling you, you, when you feel the lows the highs feel so much better, but the lows also kind of feel good in a way. It's like changing that brain chemistry. When you, when you feel a win, you feel like an angel right, rising to the top of the ceiling. You feel like you're at, it's an out-of-body experience for someone who's addicted. It's like you feel like, as I said, bulletproof. You feel alive. You feel like in today's world when we're kind of like, um, you know, we're working hard and we're doing all these things and like we're kind of we're zombies a lot of the time, gambling makes you feel alive. And then when you're losing, you also feel alive. You feel like this is bloody amazing like this is like you know like yes it's shit but then i'm going to chase my winnings and i'm going to win until you hit absolute rock bottom then you get depressed 
and then you ask for money for someone and then all these other negative things happen and that's when you realize it's a problem and i can just imagine your your brain like lighting up with the lights the colors the sounds the whole thing was kind of feeding you a chemical um, that was that was very pleasurable even though you may have been losing it was a whole process that was creating something within your biology a lot of the times when i'm gambling i'm also drinking so um you know i've, I've never had a real i mean i've i've had alcoholics in my life which we'll talk about in another episode but um i've never really personally had that much of a problem with alcohol like i just i can drink and i can leave it or take it or leave it and i'll enjoy a really good a good drink and i like the taste of wine but i'll never i'm, I'm not an alcoholic so but mixing alcohol with gambling creates this whole different situation this whole different monster where not only am I um, have I got this optimism about coming back and winning or like this um, bulletproof feeling, but I've got alcohol which is actually adding on to that feeling. So the, the, the effects of alcohol give me less kind of um, – I have less boundaries. And so I'm more likely to put like a, an, an, an RC kind of $200 bet on, um, you know, which is, which is just ridiculous when you look at a table of roulette and I've, got, I've covered every single number in some way, but I've got some numbers more, I've got some numbers less, I've got side bets, I've got all these different, different things happening. So alcohol kind of fuels the gambling um, addiction in a way. I, I love when you talk about your feelings around this. I felt bulletproof, I felt excited, I felt bigger than, I could overcome things. These are all the feelings I think we're chasing, the feelings to make ourselves feel better. Um, you also mentioned there your rock bottom. Um, that's an interesting term. I guess it just means um, when you've actually reached an emotional low you, and you feel as though you can't go any lower. Can you talk about that and then what happened from there? Yeah, so there was a couple of rock bottoms. And, and in retrospect, I think my rock bottom was a long time before I actually realised my rock bottom was. So I think my rock bottom was a lot earlier. So. I mean, I remember the first couple of times I was spending the whole night at the casino. I'd come home at like 8, 8 a.m. after a good solid 12 hours of gambling. And win or lose, that that was not very good because you're spending so much time on an activity and you you know you kind of get home and then oh, I have to go to work now or I have to do X, Y and Z and I've just been out all night doing this gambling stuff when I could have easily went home and with the same amount of money like five hours ago but for some reason I kept on going around in circles. So that was a rock bottom. But... In retrospect, and I've never actually admitted this to anyone, I don't think, so this is a first, but I think I had to come clean um, in, the, in, you know, in the spirit of the podcast. Um, I actually used to steal money from my employer for a while. And so um, I had an employer back when I was at university. I had a couple of employers. I won't mention specifically who it is, but um, I was in charge of money and um, I found a very easy way to steal money. No one ever suspected and I got away with it, and that fueled my uh, fueled my, uh, fueled my um, gambling addiction. So, in retrospect, that was my rock bottom because that that could have turned my life around. And I could have um, then found it really hard to find a job if I got caught. Um, you know, that could have changed my life, whole life around if I got caught doing that. But I didn't get caught. Um, in retrospect, that was my rock bottom. Um, in terms of uh, knowing what my rock bottom was, like when I actually had, a, had to like sit down and be real with myself, was when I was in Canberra and I had that really bad loss. And um, by then, I didn't have that out of, of stealing the money because I wasn't in the, um, I guess, hospitality retail industry by then, so I couldn't steal money to fuel my um, addiction. And so I was like, okay, what do I do? And I've already kind of like, um, I guess. Um, a lot of my friends have grown tired of like me asking for money and things like that. So uh, that's when I hit rock bottom and I sought some help uh, in Canberra. 
um, a couple of really nice people. It was like a gambling, Gamblers Anonymous type deal in Canberra, which before they really got big, actually. That's when people started to talk about it. they weren't big by that at that stage. Um, and it was just a really good community experience. And I talked about what I was losing and things like that. And, you know, my nine to five job in Canberra, actually, and having more friends around me in Canberra, I, learned, I, I met a lot of good people in Canberra, like p- friends just separate from the experience actually helped me get over addiction. Now, one of those friends was actually a gambler himself, but almost seeing um, his actions up against mine, I, it kind of woke me up as well. He, he is a lot younger than me. And um, I saw myself in him five years earlier. He's about five, six years younger than me. And that woke me up as well. And so although I was still going out and I was still gambling, that loss really changed me forever. Um, And I think I laid off it for about a good solid three or four months. And so I just went cold turkey. And then when I came back, I I did all the stereotypes that people say you should do. And for me, the stereotypes worked. For other people, I know they don't work. For example, I mentioned I went to the club on the weekend. Every time I go to this club, I see this one um, middle-aged woman at the same place playing rapid roulette and putting unbelievable amounts of money on one spin. And she's got wads and wads of um, $100 notes in her her, um, purse. So she's someone who obviously is going through some pain. And I'd love to reach out and talk to her, but I just don't think that... I think you have to be open to get clean and inverted commas. And I was open at that time. Felt then... Um, I guess especially when you talked about that woman that you could identify at the club on the weekends, a kind of a deep sadness around this kind of affliction that you've gone through. And I'm sure when you stole that money, um, even though at the time you thought, hey, this is an easy win, it must have really affected you emotionally. And and that must have been some of the guilt um, and shame uh, that you felt, which led to you kind of re-evaluating your behaviours around gambling. Um, would that be correct? Yeah, um, 100%. Um, you know, like I, I look at myself um, back then and I think, wow, I just can't believe I actually did all that stuff. Like I just look back and go, wow, that's a different person. And I think having a child has also helped. So, you know, having a child has brought me back down to earth. I'll never put that on her. Like never. I've heard stories where um, some families, they have fathers that are or mothers that are extreme gamblers and they have no food on the table. I'll never do that to my daughter. So, um, I mean, like, you know, I just love it. I, I, I love the fact that I've had the ability to stop it. Now I can go and gamble and do it relatively responsibly. But that feeling will always be there. But um, I think now I've, I've gotten over it for whatever reason. Um, I know a lot of people can't. Thanks for that story. It was uh, quite moving and I, I felt a lot of a lot of things around that that I could identify with, although I don't understand the addiction of gambling. But it was one thing... Uh, two questions I just want to finish with. The first one was... You mentioned, oh, I wouldn't be the gambler who took food off the table of my daughter. And I'm wondering what's the difference between your gambling addiction and someone who is like you in every single way and can relate to what you said, but he can't stop and still can't stop. And he does take the food from his family and feels terrible about it, and, but just can't stop. Why could you stop and they can't? Really good question. <laughs> in some ways, I think nothing. Like, really, it's just pure luck that I've ended up where I am and you know and sorted myself out and I was just I think like a big thing about addiction is being in the right space to actually stop and I was in the right space to stop I did go cold turkey I looked at my life and I and I stopped what I was doing 
some people just don't have the opportunity to do that for whatever reason. Their life's going really, really hard. For example, if I think I was a gambler now, I don't think I would be able to stop because my life is going so quickly and I'm always busy. So you don't have the time to reflect. Um, but in some ways, like, you know, addiction, as you know, like there's so many reasons around addiction. So one answer to your question is, yeah, there's, I don't think there's anything different at all. I just think I'm lucky. Um, and I think I've had a lot of su- support as well, which is a big thing. Uh, some people might not have that support. The other thing is, you know, maybe there is, and, I, and I, I'm not a neurobiologist, but maybe there is um, a more addictive brain. Maybe maybe some brains are more um, open to addiction. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Like um, biology, we know so little about the brain like now. Like we, we know a lot more than we did, say, 200 years ago, but we still know so little, especially in relation to addiction. Um, more studies need to be done. And um, you know, I, I worry because I, my, for example, my mum is an alcoholic or was an alcoholic. Um, my dad always just used to say to me, um, "Don't, don't drink because you'll you'll be like your mum, as it's, it's in your blood type thing." Um, but I do drink and I drink really well and I can stop and I'm not an alcoholic. So um, the question is, um, you know, nature or nurture? You know, is it in us to be inherently addictive? Which um, I think, yeah, maybe some of it is, um, or is it? nature is it you know is it basically in the environment um you know getting served 50 ads about gambling um you know every football match you watch is is that is that going to make you gamble i don't really have an answer to your question all i can say is i'm really lucky to be in the situation that i'm now to be able to walk into a casino have a good gamble have a good time have a laugh and leave it at that i guess as you matured so did your feelings um so one last question adam i just wanted to talk about your aboriginality and how um, interested you are in addiction in light of the problems there are in addiction all over the country in regional and remote communities. Uh, I wonder if you could talk about that from a personal point of view. My mum, I guess, uh, was an alcoholic. Um, haven't really seen her in a long time and, um, you know, it hurts me because, again, I have a daughter and I'd love her to meet my, uh, my daughter, like her granddaughter, because I think they're a lot alike in some ways. Um, you know, she has these little expressions and it reminds me of um, her. Um, you know, she she struggled with addiction. My dad had his own addictions as well. Um, and I've looked at these, like, what's happened to my family and um, how they're treated by others. And I think, uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's not their fault. Like, people kind of uh, target people who are addicted to things and think, you can rise above this, you can do this, you can do that. No, it's not that simple. It's so complex. And even the, um, I guess, the the conditions that arise to for someone to become an addictive personality and become addicted to something, that's also complex. That's also like a p- little perfect storm, which has happened um, in my family. And in, in, in a national sense, uh, in, in, you're talking about Indigenous people, Aboriginal Australians, as an Aboriginal person, me, um, it makes me wild. It makes me wild that people um, see Aboriginal people as addicts or just, um, just alcoholics or just ice addicts or um, just this or just that, because we're not just that. Like, you know, that's, that's a stereotype. Like, you know, in, in behind every addict like, is, a, is a person with a heart, with a soul, there's a reason why that person has become addicted to that substance. Um, it's complex. Um, we're not just, you know, um, repositories of, of, of whatever we're getting addicted to. Um, so in a national sense, um, and, and as, as being an Aboriginal person and knowing, um, I guess, the uh, issues that Aboriginal people have with substance abuse, 
it's all because of the it's all because of the situation we find ourselves in because of colonization it's not because of um you know we like drink or whatever that is um it's it all stems from colonization and the situation that we went through which was traumatic i guess we'll talk about that more as the podcast unfolds um because adam you bring a really interesting perspective being an aboriginal man around this stuff and it's great to hear your reflections on sympathy for the devil thanks james join the discussion visit our facebook page sympathy for the devil podcast and let us know what you think